Thank you, Miss Denise. We appreciate that song. What a beautiful song. Closer Walk with Thee. I was thinking of how many songs express that message. Nearer my God to Thee, for example. Um, that ought to be the desire of every Christian, to be closer to the Lord, closer to His heart, closer in their walk. But, you know, sometimes in order to be closer to God, sometimes we have to do a few things. We have to take a few steps. In order to be closer to God, sometimes we have to move some things out of the way that come between us. And uh, I hope you're willing to do that, to be closer. It certainly is worth it to walk close with Jesus. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. So if you find your place in about the middle of the Old Testament and move a little bit to the right, you'll find Ezekiel and then Daniel. We'll be in chapter 9, and we're going to begin reading in verse 2. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, and we're going to see Daniel's response to the Word of God. Once you've found your place, if you'd stand with us for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to have prayer, and then we'll begin reading in Daniel chapter 9, beginning with verse 2. Let's pray together. Father, how we do love you today, and how we thank you so much for your Word. Lord, as we get our guidance, our instruction Lord, the things that we need, the information to draw closer, all from your word, the encouragement, the hope, the promises of God for our daily living. Lord, all of that comes from your word. And it's our privilege today to hold the word of God in our hands and to read it aloud, to have it bless our hearts. We pray, dear spirit of God, that you bless the reading of the word of God today and that you'll speak to us personally as we consider its contents. We ask you, Lord, to do your work in our lives and in our hearts. Lord, we pray just remove our distractions for a moment. May we, may we give attention and focus to the truth of the message of God's word that we'll get from Daniel today. And I pray you will help us apply it to our lives as only you can. Lord, I pray you'd be honored and glorified by our response in all that we do because of what we hear today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, the Bible says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, whereof the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from the precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. He continues, O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as it is this day, to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. 
We're going to pause there, and for a moment I want us to consider Daniel's response to the word of God that he is sending. This would be in reference to God's dealing with Jerusalem and the desolations that will occur there. Daniel responded in a way that we can look on this morning. And as we observe Daniel's heart and his words, as he cries out to the Lord, we consider and we look and we witness and say, yes, this is repentance. And I want to preach on that thought this morning. This is repentance. Thank you. You may be seated. God has occasionally given a harsh word to his people. There have been times when when God designed punishment, executed judgment on his people, the land of Israel. In the Bible, God used nations to discipline nations. It's a principle that we need to consider today. It's something that we should consider as Americans. But as we see Daniel's response to these pronouncements, to these judgments, all of us as individuals, as Christians, we can benefit from Daniel's response because he has the right response. To the pronouncing of judgment, to the execution of punishment, Daniel repents. What a beautiful picture. This is what should happen every time there's a wrongdoing that is confronted. There should be repentance. But there isn't. There's a lot of people today who say they repented. But the evidence is not there. There are people today who think They've repented, but there just hasn't been a change. Every parent knows what I'm talking about. Because there's a time growing up when your kids start fighting, and you have to be the referee and wear the striped shirt, blow the whistle, and you have to get them together and say, all right now, come on, apologize. You know what they do. They give one of those sheepish, self-resisting responses you know, you're trying to get them to make up and make it right with each other and, and be together again. Have, have harmony and peace. Because, you know, that's what all parents want, really. We're not, it's not justice we're after. It's quiet. <laughs> so often that's true. And so we want to make peace. And we tell them to apologize, and you, here's what you get. You get, sorry. Sorry? Are you saying you're sorry? What does that mean, sorry? Hey, that's not an apology. Sorry is not an apology. What we really want to hear is I'm sorry. Now, how many of you understand there's a difference right there? Because the I'm sorry takes responsibility for the wrong action that was dealt out. So then we have to get into confession. I'm sorry. And what we really want to hear as parents is not just I'm sorry. 
That's good, but it's not the best way to apologize. If you're a kid here taking notes, I'm going to tell you what to say. Here it is. The reality, though, is it has to come from the heart or it's not really real. It's not worth the air that you're breathing to say it if it's not from the heart. What you want to hear is, I'm sorry for what I did. Now, you don't want to say for what I did. You want to say what it was that you did. I'm sorry I said that to you. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry I called you a name. I'm sorry I took your toy or whatever. Isn't that right? Now we're getting closer to a real apology. I'm sorry I did that to you. I'm sorry I caused this. Because without the framework of that statement, the accused are not taking full responsibility for their actions. Sorry doesn't cut it. It's not good enough. It's not an apology. And, and you know, <clears throat> I wish every person could learn this. Because I know we all know, we all know a person somewhere that you will never hear an apology from. There may be some kind gesture that comes after the conflict, and that's their peacemaking offering. But never will you hear the words, I'm sorry for anything, or I was wrong. That, those words don't exist in their mouth. We understand that. This is what we're talking about today. Because God has come to his own people, just as a parent does to their children. And God has pronounced some things on Jerusalem. Some of this is in reference to the, to the end times. But yet, when Daniel understands the impact of what is going to take place, Daniel is impacted personally. His heart is broken. So much so that it causes Daniel... By the way, Daniel, who was a righteous man, Daniel, who was not one of the ones guilty of what he just confessed. And yet we find Daniel in confession for his people, in confession for the nation of Israel. And you know what? It's true in life. Let me tell you, the more spiritual person the more spiritually mature person will always be the one who comes to make things right, the one who comes to apologize. And usually, they come first. Just like in the conflict with Abraham and Lot. And their herdsmen began to fight and war with one another. Who was it that came to make peace? It was Abraham, the father of our faith. It was not Lot, the picture of the carnal Christian who walked in his flesh and pride. Lot did not come to make peace. Abraham came to make peace. Sad but true, he knew the only way to have real peace is for us to have a little distance put between us. Hey, you can take it to the bank. It's a biblical principle. There are people like that. The Bible says in Romans, If it be so, as much as lieth in you, Be at peace with all men. And not just in your life, but around the world, as today's news would remind us. 
there are some, the only way you can have peace with them is to be far from them. Or to at least have some distance. So Abraham says to Lot, choose which way you want to go. You go to the right hand, I'll go to the left. He said it so nice, didn't he? He could have said, you sorry, Lot. (laughs) He didn't. He came to him with respect. He came to him with dignity. He came with peace. He came with kind words. He framed them correctly. And he gave Lot first choice. Hey, you, you pick. You, you choose which direction you're going, and, and we'll, we'll go the other way. You got first pick, Lot. So not only did Abraham come first, he gave Lot first choice of where to go. Daniel, like Abraham now, is stepping up in the responsibility of making things right Not with another person, someone you may need to have a little distance with. But the opposite is true here. Daniel is trying to close the distance as he tries to make peace with God. Daniel's desire is to be right with God. You know, that should be our desire. To be right with God. To walk nearer to Him. To be close in fellowship with the Lord. But as I said a moment ago, sometimes that closeness cannot happen unless we take certain steps and sometimes unless we remove things that have gotten in the way. This is a case where Daniel personally had already taken the steps to be close to God. He was one of the men that God chose to reveal truth to, future events. And the book of Daniel Paired with Revelation today helps us form the framework for eschatology and the end times, the days that I happen to believe we're living in. God gave that to Daniel. So he was personally close, and yet Daniel right now is attempting to remove some things that have gotten in the way, not really between him, but between his people and their God. So Daniel begins to repent. He repents on behalf of the nation of Israel. He begins to say what you and I know to be real repentance, godly sorrow, true remorse. Notice what repentance looks like. This is repentance. In verse number 4, the Bible says, As Daniel prayed, by the way, back up and let's catch verse 3. And I want you to see the context that this happens in. Daniel said, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications. Notice he says, with fasting. Daniel is denying himself nourishment during this time period. It's an effort to put God first. Fasting is a form of worship. It's a way that we exercise our worship and our faith in God. And he comes also then, he says, and sackcloth and ashes. I put those together because sackcloth and ashes together exercised in this way in the land of Israel and in the life of Daniel, it meant sorrow and it meant godly sorrow. Sackcloth and ashes is something they would wear and put on. 
They would sprinkle the ashes on their head. It would show the brokenness. It would show the sorrow and the remorse for their sin. It was an outward picture of what was going on or what should have been going on in the heart. Daniel was coming to God in this way, seeking the Lord and asking forgiveness. Notice what he says in verse 4. And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and mark these words. He said, and made my confession. And said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. He said in verse 5, we have sinned. I want you to notice verse 4. I had you mark those words. He said, I made my confession. We're saying this morning, this is repentance, what Daniel is doing. So mark it down. Repentance, real repentance, includes the confession of sin. Don't tell me you made things right with somebody or with God if you have not confessed your sin. You're wrong. How can we make things right? By avoiding the very thing we did to make things not right. Now we know that you can't get right with a person without doing that, without making that confession. So how can you get right with God without that? The one exception I will make is that salvation. I'm not saying we don't have to confess sin. We certainly do. But we don't have to confess every single act of sin in order to be saved. Say hallelujah right there. (laughs) Amen? When we understand the condition we're in, we, we bring that as one whole lot to the Lord. We confess our sinfulness and our unworthiness in totality. And God forgives each and every one when we're saved. Isn't that a blessing? But you know, in our Christian lives after that, we don't do well in order to be saved. We do well, we strive to be well because we are saved. And we, we try to keep short accounts with God, which means... When we do wrong, we want to immediately confess and forsake that to restore the sweetness of that fellowship with our Lord. This is what Daniel's doing, and in verse 4, he immediately begins to make confession. Daniel knows you can't have real repentance without it. And so he comes to God on behalf of Israel, and he begins to confess. That is so powerful because that is what unlocks the door to restoration, to unity, right? Not forgiveness. We can forgive without that. And God can forgive without that. But confession is part of the process. And in order for there to be restoration, it's required. It's required. In another pastorate, I led a church that struggled understanding this. They said, hey, we live in the day of grace, so everything is grace, grace, grace. 
And if somebody sinned, if somebody did wrong, they were immediately forgiving them and pronouncing the forgiveness to the person. Well, if you think through that at all, you understand the problem it created. You immediately had forgiveness extended to the person which resembled a restoration. And that happened when there was no repentance. So guess what? There was no change in the behavior. You talk about frustrating the grace of God, that will do it in a hurry. Does God save someone before they repent? No. I don't think you can show me a Bible example of that anywhere. Repentance is part of the restoration process. And when God attempted to restore the relationship with man that he had originally in the garden before sin entered in, Jesus came to die on the cross to deal with the sin that had come between us. But he waits for man to repent, to restore. And that restoration is done on an individual basis as we do. Now, in your heart, you may forgive someone who has wronged you, and you should. That prevents you from becoming bitter. That prevents you from being poisoned with resentment and confusion. But you don't pronounce that forgiveness to them until they come. There are many examples of that. The prodigal son, his father, obviously forgave him the day after he left. And from that time forward, he watched and watched and watched, longing for his son to return. When he saw his son coming, his son didn't have to say a word. The father took off running to meet him. As a matter of fact, the father beat it to him before he made it home. And when the son started speaking, the father didn't need to hear all the details. In his heart, he had already forgiven him. But now that the son was making his confession, the father said, bring the calf. Bring the robe. Put the ring on his finger. And he restored the relationship. Hey, today, let's make sure that we don't skip a vital component to restoration. It's repentance. If you have been the one to do wrong, then you need to make it right by confessing what you did. Daniel comes and he confesses for the sins of Israel. Look at verse 5, if you would. The Bible says here, Daniel again speaking, he says, We have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. I want you to, I want you to notice that Daniel's getting more and more specific. The more specific you are in your repentance, the stronger and the more powerful your restoration in the end. There's a healing effect when you go to the person that you have wronged and you say, I'm sorry for what I did to you. And you tell them what it is. I'm sorry I said that about you. I'm sorry I treated you this way. It's powerful healing that occurs. 
So Daniel not only is confessing his sin, but I want you to watch verse 5 as we read down through it, that Daniel is now doing the next thing. He is acknowledging the wrongdoing that was done. Just saying, I'm sorry, isn't good enough. Oh, it's good, but you can do better. And Daniel does. In verse 5, not only says we have sinned, we've committed iniquity, we've done wickedly, all that's good, but it's generic, isn't it? Now watch what he does. He says we have rebelled. Oh, oh, now I understand. And now I know that you understand what you did wrong because now you've stated it. He said we've rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Look at verse 6. He says, neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets. We didn't listen to the preacher that you sent. We didn't hear your word. We did not heed the message, he said, which spake in thy name to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, and to all the people of our land. Daniel is acknowledging the rebellion on every level. He's saying, Lord, we, we, didn't, we refused to listen to your word. Have you ever done that? We departed from your precepts. We've not hearkened to your prophets. Hold your place in Daniel, if you would, and turn over a few pages to the book of Hosea. And look with me in chapter 5 of Hosea. And look at verse 15. The Bible says in Hosea 5, 15, it says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Who's saying that? The Lord. And sometimes I know God looks down from heaven and says, okay, you want to rebel? Okay, you don't want to follow me? You don't want to listen to my word? Just let me know when you've had enough. And that's what he was doing in Israel. He said, hey, okay. I'll go and return. I'll leave you alone. And when you've had enough of your own way and the consequence of your doings in your affliction... You'll seek me early. But you better hurry up. Because Proverbs warns us that we can wait until it's too late. And we can get to a place where God actually says, You'll seek me and not find me. Oh, you mocked my word and you disobeyed? Okay. And God says, I will mock when your fear cometh. I will laugh at your calamity. Hey, let's not go too far before we're willing to repent. Repentance is confession of sin. Verse 5 and 6, repentance is acknowledging the wrongdoing. Look at verse 7. Repentance includes something else. Daniel says, O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as it is this day, or as at this day. The men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all thy people Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. Daniel now is addressing the consequences of sin. 
He's looking at the results of the action taken. And he's now accepting responsibility for the actions or the consequences that came from those actions. Hey, you know, repentance includes that. Sometimes we, we get in our own way and, and, and we, we don't do what God wants us to do. And sometimes that action causes consequences. That action leads down a path and it's a path of destruction. And then all of a sudden we start wondering, hey, wait a minute, why me? Why is all this stuff happening to me? Maybe it's because of what you chose. Hey, remember Jonah? Jonah wouldn't have ended up in the belly of the whale if he hadn't run from God in the, in the first place. The Bible says he, he got on a ship. He, he was supposed to go to Nineveh. No, Jonah said, I'm going to Tarsus. He got on a ship and the Bible says he paid the fare thereof. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Every time you run from God, you will deal with the consequences of that choice and you will pay a price. And I'm telling you what, every time that happens, it will always be a price far more than what you want to pay. Always. So here's Daniel. He's acknowledging this. Why is this important? Because some people who get themselves in trouble by their choices blame other people for the consequences. Well, the reason why this is happening to me, because, and then they tell you who. Their parents, their boss, right? Their friend, whatever. Daniel doesn't say, this is all happening to us because of our enemies. <laughs> no. Daniel doesn't say, God, this is all happening because of you. And believe it or not, some people actually do that. No, Daniel said, we're getting what we deserve. This confusion of face that we're experiencing before our enemies, he said, this is our fault. This is coming as a consequence of what we've done. Daniel understands that, and all the way through verse 15, he continues to describe the consequences and take ownership of that action. The Bible says there in verse 8, O Lord, to us belong confusion of face, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Couldn't you see that being read in the headlines of our nation today? Oh, listen, there are many Americans that have cast off God. They don't want to walk in his ways. They don't want to follow his precepts. Look, as, look at what is befalling us as a nation as a result of those choices. Wow. Hey, you know, we could, we could blame some people. Our last few leaders have pointed us in this direction. We could, we could call their names and blame them. But you know what? 
they're not responsible for the choices that everyday Americans make. And the swelling support that we're seeing grow in our country in this rebellion against the values that God has taught us, it's not their fault. It's people who have swallowed the bait, hook, line, and sinker. It's theirs too. Daniel is accepting responsibility for all of this and the consequences that have followed. In verse 12, he says, And he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as it hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, All this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we may turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Oh, that, that's, where this, that's where the healing is found. That's where, the, that's where the forgiveness is. That's where the seeking lies. In verse 14, he says, Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten thee renowned, as at this day we have sinned, and we have done wickedly. Hey, I give it to old Daniel. He understood what was happening, and he knew what to do. Daniel did the right thing. He repented. Repentance includes confessing sin, acknowledging wrongdoing, Accept the responsibility of your actions and the consequences that have come as a result. But that's not all. Once you've done all of that, it leads to the understanding of personal guilt. What Daniel was saying through all of this is that we've done wrong and what we did was wrong. And because of our wrong, these things have happened to us. And now, he says, in verse 16, talking to the Lord, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplication and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. What's Daniel doing? He's asking forgiveness. Hey, you know why some people don't ever ask forgiveness? Because they refuse to acknowledge that they've done wrong. And because of that, guess what? There's no confession. You're never going to hear them admit that they did something wrong. No confession. There's no accepting of the responsibility. 
They don't take responsibility for their actions and the consequences that their actions have caused. We can point down through in recent decades some of the actions that America has taken that has led us to where we are. And, and then we can, we can go back and point to those actions and then, and then afterwards we can see the ramifications, the consequences that set in because of those actions. And, and then we say, no wonder we're where we are today. It's important. It's important to accept responsibility, to acknowledge the wrongdoing, to confess your sin. Because until you've done that, there's no point in asking for forgiveness. Because in order for restoration to happen, the wrong needs to be righted, it needs to be corrected. Restoration comes through the correction of the wrongdoing. You have to stop doing the wrong things. So do you think Daniel would just confess and ask God, God, forgive us, without ever confessing, without ever acknowledging, without ever taking responsibility? And then God's going to forgive Israel, and what? And what? They're going to keep on doing the same things? I don't think so. And you think God is just going to, you know, magically uh, make the consequences disappear? And yet they're going to continue in the wrongdoing? No, that's not how it works. And that's not what you do when somebody wrongs you and they don't change. The consequences don't magically disappear. They continue. That's why... There has to be repentance. Repentance is a matter of the heart. Repentance is a confession of sin. Acknowledging the wrongdoing. Accepting the responsibility for the, for the actions and the consequences that came with it. It's my fault this happened because I did this. Daniel is not the one who actually committed these things. But he's part of the group. And he understands as a nation that in order to get God's favor again, we have to confess. And Daniel hits the prayer closet. I want to ask you this morning, have you been there? Do you need to go back? As I look at our country, our world even today, I can't help but wonder, where is repentance? Where? This is repentance. We see it in the Bible. Time has failed me, but I'll throw it out there for you to do later. Go to Psalm 51. David is another example. David does the same things, except this time David personally sinned. And what did he do? The same thing that Daniel did. He confessed his sin. He acknowledged his wrongdoing. 
He took ownership of his actions and the consequences of those actions. And then he asked God to forgive him. True repentance brings true forgiveness and true restoration. And David was able to say in Psalm 51, Create in me, O God, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me, and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And I want you to understand this morning, that only comes when we truly get right with God. And in order to do that, we have to be willing to repent. You know, lost people have to repent to be saved. We all know that. But guess what? God's people have to repent sometimes. Because we do wrong. We're still in this flesh. Read Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul deals with that struggle that goes on. We all feel that. And sometimes we do wrong. And when, we, when that happens, it's important that we respond correctly. That we repent, we make things right, and we restore that closeness with God again. What a great song this morning. You want to be near to God. You may have to do some things to get close to Him. Or, like the message this morning, you may have to remove some things that have gotten in the way. And if that's the case, then I want you to know there's hope. There's help. Daniel cried out to God. God is always willing to forgive. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Every time God is willing, it's us we have to worry about. Let's do the right thing. If there's anything between you and the Lord this morning, I invite you to repent. Make it right with God by doing the same thing Daniel did. Come clean with God. He will receive you. He will forgive you. He will accept you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, that just as Israel was a nation chosen of God in the Old Testament, Lord, the church is a people chosen of God in these days, in this time. And Lord, we too are called by your name. We too are God's people. And Lord, these same principles work for us. We have that availability to come and call upon you. We, we have the privilege of confessing and, and acknowledging our wrong. We have the, the, the responsibility of, of, of owning, re, being responsible for our actions, confessing all that to you, Lord, and then asking forgiveness. You are ready and, and certainly always able to forgive our sins. And if we've sinned against another person, then we can make it right with them through the same process. Lord, help us today and empower us, Lord, if we need to remove anything. May we be willing to take these steps that we might be closer to you, that we might have that close walk. And Lord, if we've wronged a brother or sister in Christ, a family member, friend, co-worker, neighbor, someone we love, Lord, may we take those same steps toward them and may we restore that friendship, that relationship, Lord, so that we can have close fellowship. We ask you to help us do it. Help us to do it the right way. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.